0: will work in my life, life. life. but we must study and work the word. word. Amen. This morning, uh, we're going to center on the second part of the sermon series that God started last week on answered prayer. Last week, God showed us how to pray based on Daniel's prayer in Daniel 7, Daniel 9, and he showed us how we are to pray based on the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6. So I told you last week that since the sermon last week was on how to pray, that the sermon today would be on the power of prayer. But when I got home, God says, no, I, I need you to change that, Joanne. I don't want you simply to pray, preach on the power of prayer. But I want you to preach on the power that empowers prayer. I want you to preach on the, for the people to get to understand what it is, where the power comes from that gives said that prayer has to be delivered. Remember that was the first step last week in how to pray, that prayer had to be delivered. What did you mean by that? And what God meant by that is that prayer has got to be intentional. It's not something, it's not something that you simply do when you get between a rock and a hard place. Amen. It's not something that you simply do because you're in church on Sunday morning and and it's time to come up. God says prayer has got to be intentional. He says prayer has got to be an integral part of your life. He says prayer has got to be deliberate. He says prayer has got to be on purpose. He says prayer has got to be a part of your daily life. It has to be scheduled in your day. In the same way you schedule going to work. Amen. It has to be scheduled in your day. In your time frame. In order for you to make it a part of your everyday. If you do not have a scheduled time and place to pray. And I'm not talking about like I told you last week. I'm not talking about those one minute prayers that we pray all day long. I'm talking about a It's a broken be fulfilled. Mm -hmm. So you say, okay, pastor, how does that apply to us? It applies to us because for some reason that my mind can't understand, our almighty God wanted to enter into a covenant with us. Mm -hmm. Almighty God, scripture tells us that before the foundations of the earth, He wanted to enter into a covenant with us that before Adam and Eve were even created that God wanted to enter into a blood covenant with his creation and it blows my mind that God would want to enter into this covenant because God knew that the people that he created would turn their back on him and start following after the enemy. Still, with all of that, while you were still a twinkle in your parents' eye, when you were still just a thought in the mind of God, that everything that you had belongs to God. Don't I say that? And I say every promise that is recorded in this book belongs to us. That's part of the covenant that God wanted to make with you before you were even born. And the thing that blows my mind is that he wanted to do it before we did anything to serve him. Mm -hmm. He wanted to do it Not because we were good enough. Not because we deserved it. Not because we aren't. He wanted to do it for one reason. And I'll show you that reason a little bit later. I'm jumping ahead of myself. Hebrews 8 verse 8 through 12. Watch this. But God found fault with the people in sin. God finds fault with us when we sin. The days are coming declares the Lord and he says I'm going to make a new covenant is that what he said with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah it will not be like the old covenant I made with their ancestors. it's not going to be like the covenant I made with Abraham and Isaac and Moses it's not going to be that kind of covenant when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because what they did not remain faithful to my covenant and I turn away from them declares the Lord God said the original covenant that I made with Abraham and Moses and all of this and I promised them I would be their God and they would you know follow me and so on. he said the people broke the covenant they broke the covenant they turned away if I can get this in your head it's going to re- revolutionize your life They turned away from God, but look what God says about this new covenant that He's going to make. This covenant I will establish with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I need a Kleenex. I will put my what my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts I will be their God and they will be my people what is the first thing he said and don't put your Bible down because I got some more for you he says in this new covenant it's not going to be a list of do's and don'ts like it was with the ten commandments it's not going to be a list of you can't do this and you can't God says because you broke it you couldn't keep it You couldn't keep the law of God. You couldn't keep the Ten Commandments 24-7, so you broke it. So God said, this time, the covenant that I'm going to make with you, I'm not going to write my word on this stone tablet, but I'm going to write my word on your heart. Mm -hmm. I'm going to write my word on your heart. I'm going to write my word in your mind. What is so significant about God saying, "I'm not going to write it in a tablet or a book, but I'm going to write it in your heart and your mind"? What is the difference? I wish it was Bible study because I want you to understand this so bad. What is the difference when God says that He will write His word or His laws on your heart and your mind? Anybody, real quick. It'd be with them forever. True, but it could be with them forever on the stone tablet. But and I'm not knocking that. What is saying that? says I'm going to put your my word inside of you so that you will not what you will not obey because you have to obey you will obey because you want to obey because the word has become a part of you when the word becomes a part of you you want to do what the word says you don't do the word out of fear of punishment or you got to follow these rules and regulations. You do the word because the word has become a part of you. In the same way that when we love somebody and they become a part of us, we want to do the things that are pleasing to them. Do you understand that? Do you get that? Okay, look at the verse 11. No 11 and 12. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord. Watch this, because they will, what? All know me, from the least of them to the greatest. For I will, what? Forgive their wickedness. said when I became a part of his blood covenant that he would forgive my wickedness and my sins he would remember no more that's the covenant that empowers your prayer You say, how does it empower your prayer? Because your prayer is empowered with holy boldness when you know who you are and whose you are. Your prayer is empowered with holy boldness when you know there is no unconfessed sin that is blocking your prayers from being answered. Amen. Do you see that? Mm -hmm. Isn't that what he said? Isn't that what he said? He says, I'll forgive their wickedness I forgive, and their sins, I will remember no more. I heard a preacher preach this morning. And I'm not getting into all this stuff we've been studying in Bible study. But we, we've been studying the fact that when we gave our life to Christ, that our old sin nature died. That we don't have two natures. We don't have the nature of the enemy and the nature of God. Because the way the Lord has showed me, God has not made any freaks. The reason that people continue to sin is because they choose to. It's not because it's their nature and they're doing what comes naturally. Well, I heard this preacher preach this morning. He says, what you got to do, and he's a prominent preacher. What you got to do is every day, every day. You gotta cast off the old nature and put it on the new. I said, what? Every day, and I I know where the premise is coming from where it's talking about you die daily, but that's taken out of context. But he says, every day you gotta die to the old nature or cast aside and live to the new. Well, if, if I cast off the old nature in the morning, and put her on the new nature. And then I went to bed. When did the old nature come back? Why well, I'm asleep. Because when I woke up the next morning, I got to do the same thing all over again. So when did the old nature come back? I mean, is our God not strong enough to keep us? Jesus has become the what? The guarantee of a better covenant. Do you see that? Jesus has, remember I told you that in the olden days when someone wanted to enter into a covenant, they had a representative from one and representative from the other, and the representatives had to be the guarantee of the covenant to make sure that everything in the covenant was fulfilled and done the way that it was supposed to be done. It says here that Jesus is the guarantee of this new covenant. You say, Pastor, I don't understand. Look at it. Look at it. God, the Father, wanted to enter into a covenant relationship with us. A covenant relationship where he could bless you Beyond your highest expectations. A covenant relationship where he would always be there with you and for you. Okay, God wanted to enter into a covenant relationship with us. Now, the thing that you got to see is that God says, if I'm going to enter into a covenant relationship with humankind, I got to have a representative. I got to listen to me. I got to have a representative. Mm -hmm. I got to have somebody that represents me. And I got to have somebody who represents all of humanity. Is it clicking? Mm -hmm. I got to have somebody that represents me to establish this covenant. I got to have somebody who represents all of humanity. So what did God do? God took his word wrapped it up in human flesh, made it a body, and sent it into the world in human flesh. And as we talked about yesterday in Bible study, he was still 100% God, but he was also 100% man. So in this covenant, God used Jesus as his representative, and God also used Jesus as a representative of humanity. Do you get it? Is it starting to click mm-hmm. inside of Jesus? Was the representative for God and the representative for us? And God said every promise that He has made in the covenant that Jesus guarantees that it'll be done. Amen. Because you deserve it? No. No. Because you've been so good. No, Jesus could come into this world and he could experience all of the pain that we experience. Because I want you to understand, he represented us, so he knew what it was to experience hunger. He knew what it was to experience pain. He knew what it was to experience temptation. He knew what it was to lose somebody that he loves when when Lazarus died. He knew what it was for people to mock him and make fun of him. God knew what it was to be ostracized. Jesus knew what it was to be ostracized by the the community. So whatever you are going through or gone through, God tells us that Jesus was at all points tempted, just as we are, Mm. yet without sin. He went through the same thing, but he didn't get it. That's how he can be our representative. Do you understand that? Is yeah. it starting to click? I want you to understand the awesomeness, the awesomeness of this covenant that God wanted to enter, us to enter into. And for you to understand better, you need to go to slide number two. Slide number two. Jesus said yes to God. When God says, Will you go and enter into a covenant with these people? Because even though they going to blow it, I got something. The thing that empowers, the thing that empowers, the thing that empowers prayer or gives power to prayer is a word that we don't know very often, and it's a word called called a seed. The word word a seed means, look at this, mercy, goodness, steadfast love, loyal, loyal love, covenant love, loving kindness, and kindness. so we're going to do slide number 3 and then we're going to do number 4 no, not that fast, but so let's just do slide number three first. I want you to understand what the seed means, or how God uses the word the seed, okay Nehemiah it's up there on the board, right my neck is stiff so I can't turn all the way around you see Nehemiah up there mm-hmm. 9.17 You are, you. are God, ready to pardon, gracious and merciful. The word merciful, you see, I have in parentheses, the seed. The word merciful means the seed, right there. That was a Hebrew word that was used then God said, uh, gracious and merciful. Slow not forsake them. Do you know that you can't do anything to cause God to forsake you? you, You can no matter what it is, but you can forsake him. You can forsake him. But there's nothing you can do to make God stop loving you. Some people are afraid to come to God because of their past and they think if they come to God that God has gone Beat them up and tell them how sinful and how awful they are. They're no good sinners. And You know, I'm nothing but an old, poor, unworthy. He so said, God said, stop it. God said, that's not what you are. You may have sinned in the past. But he says, I've forgiven you. I've cleansed you. I've made you whole. Walk around in the victory that God has paid. Hallelujah. It says that the That God is ready to pardon. Aren't you glad? Thank you. Aren't you glad? Yes, ma'am. Okay. That he's gracious and merciful. Slow to anger. Abounding in kindness. That's what hasid means. Hasid is God's covenant love. That's what gives power to your prayer. God's hasid love. That's what gives power to your prayer. Because when you pray, you don't have to be, oh, back and forth and back and forth. You know because of how much God loves you, that he wants to answer your prayer more than you want an answer. That's what gives, that's what increases your faith. If you're always walking around and talking about, you're nothing but a poor, unworthy sinner and stuff. So, that is the your faith, how are you going to stand on your faith if you're always confessing these negative things about yourself? God said, I've forgiven you. If God has forgiven you, He's forgiven you. If He's forgiven your child, He's forgiven your child. God is not like us if you come to Him and ask for forgiveness. But that's the crunch that's the rubber that hits the road. You got to ask. Look at Deuteronomy 7. Therefore know the covenant that God made with humanity. When Jesus hung on the cross, he was ratifying the covenant. That's why he could be the guarantee because he didn't sacrifice something else to shed blood. He shed his own blood. Okay? Slide number four. I'm almost finished. I'm almost finished. I am almost finished showing you some examples of a seed. Showing you some examples of a seed. He says in Isaiah 54, we're going to look at verse 8 and verse 10. I had it for you on the board, but for those of you on Facebook, Isaiah 4 verse fifty four verse eight and then verse ten. With a little wrath I hid my face from you for a moment. Have you ever felt like God had hid his face from you? Did you ever feel like God wasn't hearing your prayers and all this other kind of stuff? God said that was the old covenant. God said that was the old covenant. You're in a new covenant. I got you gotta understand the new covenant. Mm-hmm. You've got to understand the seed love of God that is part of the new covenant. Okay. He says, with everlasting kindness, a seed, I'll have mercy on you. Says the Lord, your what? Redeemable. Your Redeemer. Mm-hmm. Okay. Verse uh, 10. For the mountains shall depart and the hills be removed. But my kindness my seed shall not depart from you. God's not going to turn his back on you. He's not going to keep his kindness from you. He's going to always be there wanting to do good for you. Why? Because he is a, in a covenant relationship with us. He is in a covenant relationship with us. It says, um, shall not depart from you, nor shall my covenant of what? Peace. My covenant of what? Peace. Covenant of peace. You got peace? Amen. God said, you need to have peace because mm-hmm. you, you're you in a covenant of peace. Amen. Do you see that? Says the Lord who has mercy on you. Amen. Alright. The Hasid love of God is the answer To the power that empowers prayer. Mm -hmm. It is the Hasid love of God. A new word for love that we don't look at very often. We look at agape and eros and you know, phileo and all that. But God said you got to know about the Hasid love. Because the Hasid love is the covenant love. Jesus when he hung on the cross, he became the covenant He became our covenant. I want you to understand that God says that he is here for us. He says he has made an everlasting oath. That he promised through the shed blood of Jesus. That he would always be there for you. He has made an everlasting oath and I'm ratifying it or I'm, whatever you want, word is the best word I don't know showing you that I'll do it through the shed blood of Jesus that I'm not playing with you that I love you that much that I'll never turn my back on you Jesus said yes to the father when the father asked him will you be my representative Will you go to the world and become men and suffer through everything they go through to be their representative? And Jesus' answer was yes. Now, the thing that we have to do, now I hope this blows your mind like a blue mind. What I'm getting ready to say in a minute. The thing that we have to do is we've got to agree that we want to be a part of that country. Well, if you accepted Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, you've already become a part of that. You don't have to say today, I'm going to become a part. When you accepted Jesus as your Lord, you repented and all of this, when you did that, you became a part of this eternal covenant that God made with humanity. You say, Pastor, what is the covenant that God made with us? And this is what's going on with You know in the Bible we have two sections. The Old Testament, right? And the New Testament. But that's not what it was called. That's not what God called it. It was called the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. Every promise that is recorded in this book in the New Testament belongs to you. Amen. There should have been a shout to the enemies. That in the covenant that God made, that Jesus ratified every promise that is recorded in the New Testament becomes, or the new covenant is a promise that God has made to you. And Jesus says... I will make sure that every one of those promises are kept. And you remember when Scripture tells us that now we are heirs of God mm-hmm. and joint heirs with Jesus Christ, and God is saying that all of the riches and all of the power not power, all the riches and all the wealth and all the, the uh, health and all the the peace and all the deliverance and all the satisfaction and all the every all of that. Because you are now heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Amen. Say, Oh, oh God. Amen. I, I just need so much for this to get in the heart of your mind. That's how much God loves you. Amen. Okay? Amen. People we'll say, that. No, we're not going there, door." Okay. I'm going to close it with that. Thank you, you, God. That you are in a blood covenant relationship with Almighty God. Thank you, Lord. There had to be two representatives, Mm. one from God, one from humanity. Well, there was no one in humanity that could have did it Mm. because there was no human being that could live up to the covenant that God wanted to make. Mm. So God. sent his son into the world to not only represent him, but to represent us. Amen. And you did that because of his perceived love that he has for you, and his perceived love that he has for me. The power that empowers prayer is God's perceived love. His perceived love. That's how you know that God is going to be with you whatever it is that you're going for. Amen. 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 Come back next week and we'll see what God is going to say for this last part of the series. Amen. 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 Oh, I need to see all the men immediately after church, so don't anybody disappear. Okay, okay let's say a word of prayer. Daddy, I thank you. I, I pray. Oh, I pray for the debts of my soul.